Croeso Paub, hello everyone, and welcome to this podcast about social value from the Wales Cooperative Centre, looking at procurement and community wealth building. So here we hope to understand the principles of community wealth building and how this informs and works with social value, and we'll be looking at how social value goes beyond procurement. I'm Sean Lloyd, and I'm joined by Antonia Jennings, Associate Director at CLESS, Centre Local Economic Strategies, which seeks to develop progressive economics for people, planet and place. And Dr Jane Lynch, Reader in Procurement at Cardiff University. So in this series of podcasts, we've been exploring social value and one point that's been made is that organisations engaging in the public sector, they really need to put social value at the centre of things. So if we explore that further, social value, can it sometimes start and stop with procurement, Jane? I think the first question is, does it start? And what do we mean by social value? And I know that you've um, been unpicking that um, through the podcast series, but I think it sometimes gets still get a little bit tangled as we're still very much confused in a lot of the terminology, in that so- social value isn't societal value, it's much greater than that. Um, so I think really the big question is in procurement, is where do we start to embed social value? And a lot of that really comes down to how good our spend analysis is. Where can we make the greatest impact? Um, so if we haven't, if if procurement um, teams haven't conducted really solid um, spend analysis first of all to understand where they can make the greatest impact, and the industry sectors where that's likely to be able to happen, um, then it's going to be a very difficult journey to to get that to, to work. But I would say it goes even further beyond that. That even though our focus is on understanding how we embed it into procurement. Procurement isn't the panacea of all evils. I mean, it can, it can, it can manage. You know, it can't manage things on its own. And so, really, embedding social value into procurement is about whether social value is understood at the organisational level. And I can say that with um, some authority, really, through the Future Generations Procurement Review. And one of the questions that we asked is, you know, what challenges do you face when you're embedding social value? And, you know, everybody gets it. And the reality is that I'm really proud to say in Wales that there's a lot of it going on, but we perhaps don't label it or really recognise that that is what it is in terms of its terminology, conceptually, um, from a measurement point of view, from an impact point of view. So I think really, how do we... How do we start the process? We need really good spend analysis, but we need it to be understood at the organisational level, and by that I mean the leaders within the organisation. And then that cascades what are going to be our strategic priorities, economic, environmental, mm-hmm. and then, of course, there's very you know, considerable categories within that. So I would say that's re- those are really important factors to get started. Um, and then once you've identified um, procurements that are going to be relevant for embedding most social value, then that's really where we can then start the whole process of the journey. And I wouldn't say that it stops and starts. What I would say is if it started, it's not going to stop. I don't know what you think, Adam. I don't want to, sh- I don't want to steal your limelight here in the uh, discussion. But for me, it's kind of the, it's kind of the, um, the top and tail. If it starts, it's going to continue. But what needs to happen at the end of the procurement process is that we need good contract management to make sure that what was promised at the outset is going to actually um, carry out. Yeah, I'd agree with um, pretty much everything that's been said. And I guess 
recognising the power of social value within procurement is really a recognition of the fact that how you spend your money matters. And so it's really seeing procurement as an economic development lever, essentially. So it's sort of targeting the power of local public sector expenditure towards the development of progressive markets for goods and services in ways that lock in wealth and benefits for local communities, further than just the service that is being procured. So it's something, yes, we have been talking about, about that, well, that added value um, at community level. Jane, I know you've got experience as well in, in, in supply chains, it's not always easy, is it, though, to, to buy local? And that's something that, you know, that's come through some of the podcasts about organisations. They see the value of that, but it's not always necessarily that easy to do it, is it? No, absolutely not. And I think that, that there's a responsibility from both the organisation that are buying, but also from the supply market as well, um, to make sure that, they're, at, that, they're, that they're, be, they're seen out there and that they're part of databases um, which are being procured um, by private sector organisations, lists which are evident on social business wells, which are evident with um, business wells, with local councils have got um, lists of businesses. So there are lots of areas where you can gather this intelligence. But I think the, the question is, do businesses want to expand and be part of this growth opportunity of which there is considerable growth opportunity in Wales. Um, so I think, yeah, I think one of the things that we, one of the areas that we really need to be working on currently, and I know that there are some projects going on across Wales, at the moment it's a bit patchy, but it is starting to happen, is to understand what we call supply chain voids is that while we like to think that we buy locally, and I know that if I get the opportunity in anything, if it says it's local, then I'm going to be wanting to get, I want to be part of that. Well, this that is journey. like Adam and his strawberries this morning. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know, I think, I think, you know, I don't know what it is. I think we're just generally quite loyal people, Welsh, British as a whole, really. And I think we just want to be able to support local where we possibly can. But I think, um, you know, it's... It's understanding what's out there. So know your market. So if you're a business, you need to know your market. If you're a buyer, you need to know the industry that you're in. So I know that in, in private sector organisations as a buyer, we couldn't not go to a, um, a trade show because we needed, even if we were not conducting direct business, we needed to know who the suppliers out there were. And you, you, you kind of use these opportunities. And I think that COVID has been quite a challenging time to be able to reach out to new markets um, because we've relied so much of online um, interaction and you don't get those, those um, spontaneous conversations that would have happened at coffee during lunch, etc. So it's, um, yeah, I think that, you know, hopeful that we can get some of that back and um, we can start to rebuild some of the business communities that perhaps um, may, you know, found it quite challenging to keep um, together. And, and obviously we're talking here as well about community wealth building, Antonio. I mean, first of all, I suppose from my point of view, what is it? <laughs> I know that sounds basic. No, no, it's a, good, it's a very good question. So... Maybe I'll talk a little bit about social value and then how community wealth building is different. Um, so social value is often thought of as part of the technical process of procurement. That absolutely has its place. Um, but that's, in terms of building the new economy, a very small part of the solution and sadly is often reduced to a bit of a tick box exercise. Community wealth building is a much more 
holistic and broad-ranging model for local economic development. And I guess it was developed as a direct antidote to previous models of economic development that were very focused on inward investment and kind of extractive capitalism, ultimately. Um, I guess fundamentally, community wealth building has two main objectives that I think are quite simple. Firstly, to make sure that uh, wealth generated within a community stays within that community. Um, and secondly, that we are maximising the amount of wealth generated within a particular community and it's being spread across that community. Um, in terms of the more maybe policy wonky side of it, there are five main pillars, um, but I would say it's very much a live concept. It's an iterative thing that's being developed as we roll it out across uh, the UK and further abroad. Um, so there are five main pillars, um, first of which is around fair employment and just labour markets. So that's ensuring that we have well-paid, good quality local jobs for particularly disadvantaged residents. Uh, second pillar is around um, land and property assets. This normally applies to the public sector, so it's looking at um, what land and what property do big public institutions have and are they using particularly any excess land and assets to benefit the local community. Um, third pillar is around financial power for local places, so it's looking at which financial levers are in place both nationally and locally and how can, they, how can they be flexed to advance this agenda. So of course that's looking at pots of money delivered from Westminster, but that's also looking at, for example, um, local public sector pension pots and are they being invested in local projects. Um, fourth pillar, I think I'm on four, yeah, <laughs> it's around um, plural ownership of the economy, so it's about promoting different types of business models. We know all the research tells us time and time again that resilient economies, local economies, are diverse economies, so uh, it's around promoting, of course, um, small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs, but also social enterprises, community interest companies, cooperatives, etc. Um, and then finally, of course, what we're mainly focusing on today, progressive procurement. So it's, as I said, recognising that procurement is a lever for economic development um, and figuring out how, particularly through the public sector, we can progressively procure to actually alleviate the demand on public services. So how do they fit together, if you like? How do they fit together? <laughs> yes, <laughs> because I, I'm seeing pillars and I'm yep. seeing quite clearly defined areas there. Mm -hmm. And I'm also aware of a conversation we've had through the day about social value and it being mm -hmm. lots of different things to different people. Of course. So I mean, I'm just thinking, do they fit together? Are they, they're not obviously poles apart, but mm. how do you see that? Yeah, it's a really good question. How do, how do they fit together? So I think... Community wealth building um, is something that's being rolled out on the whole by progressive um, local authorities, also the devolved administrations in Wales and Scotland. And in a sense, community wealth building is looking at what can you do in spite of national policies? So where can things be flexed um, to advance the kind of progressive agenda and ultimately remake our local economies? And I think um, many people don't realise that even though um, on the highest level budgets are decided by Westminster, actually when it comes to delivery, um, that is the preserve of the devolved administrations, local councils, local authorities. So it's really looking at, given the money we have, how can we make sure delivery is maximising um, benefits for our local community? So it can, what effectively you're saying is what it can drive social value. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would argue that when done well, social value is what you get from community wealth building. 
Jane, could, could more be done though? <laughs> Gosh, I've learned a lot today, so there we go. What about that then? I think that community wealth building and social value are inextricably linked. And I wouldn't say necessarily always that community wealth building leads to social value. Sorry about that. I would say actually sometimes social value leads to community wealth building. Yeah. And I've got an example of that, if, I, if you wouldn't mind me just sharing it. Let's just take ourselves into, um, into, into Wales. Let's really absorb ourselves into an area where you've got very high unemployment. <clears throat> and um, there's a problem there where we don't seem to be able to get people interested in um, job opportunities. So wealth is being created by the businesses, but nobody wants the work or feel that it's right for them. So how do, we, how do we change that? How do we change that concept? But I just think that basically procurement department hired um, uh, an organisation to help them better engage with um, areas where there was high levels of poverty, social deprivation, problems with education, problems of getting people into employment. They were in long-term unemployment. So there's a danger there that once you get into that vicious cycle, it's very difficult to get out of it. And they worked with um, a community of, of, of a small group of, of youngsters. And um, there's one particular girl that apparently shone out. And th they worked with her on skills, writing CVs, building up her confidence to think that, okay, so you didn't perform so well in school, but there are opportunities for you. Um, so the idea of this, this company going in to work and support these youngsters is your social value side mm. of it. Um, what happened um, was they arranged an interview for this girl. They found the right placement for her, found an mm. interview for her, and she seemed really up for it. Mm. On the day of the interview, she didn't turn up. And they said, why didn't you turn up? We thought you were really ready for this. And she said, oh, it's like this. She said, if I get a job, she said, everybody's going to pick on me because nobody in my street has a job. Mm. And so, you know, these are, this, this is the reality of what we, we live with. And she said, I didn't really want my family to be picked on because I didn't want to be seen to be different to everybody else. So they said, oh, oh dear, I didn't realise this. So having to really kind of understand it from an individual's perspective mm -hmm. and to really understand some of the community-based challenges. Um, she still worked with this girl because she could still see this glimmer of light that, you know, there was an opportunity here. This girl, you know, and so continued to work with her. Eventually she went for the interview, got the job and started the internship. A few months later, she said, how's things going? Great to hear that you're in the job. And she said, oh, it's really great. I'm really enjoying myself. And you know what? My dad's got a job now. That's community wealth building for me. And that, and that came from social value, a social value mm. initiative. And, that's, and that story has stayed with me um, for quite a few years. And it's one that I think about as to what we need to do and how we really need to understand individual needs in the community. How would you perhaps, I don't know, sum up, or can you sum up what currently is, is happening in the world of community wealth building to, to promote social value? I mean, is there anything that you would directly pinpoint um, yeah, lo lots is happening. It's a really exciting area that feels like it's gathering momentum very quickly. Um, Scotland, the SNP are about to pass Community Wealth Building Act to um, unlock a lot of funding for um, localities to scale community wealth building across Scotland. We've just had the Labour Party at conference declare a motion uh, in support of community wealth building. Um, Mark Drakeford in Wales and, uh, you know, the wider work that sits under the um, Future Generations Act is very aligned with community wealth building so it is it is really taking off but um just to come back very quickly to to something jane said that i think is so important i think community wealth building when done well has to recognize the bespoke needs of communities and when we're looking at the different problems that 
this country faces, whether it's how do we decarbonise quick enough or what are the unemployment issues in a particular area, they are so varied and a one-size-fits-all approach just isn't going to work. You know, if we're looking at, for example, the potential of nature-based jobs, so peatland restoration, retrofitting insulation, the potential for that in the Lake District is going to be completely different to Hackney, for example, and so therefore we shouldn't be having you know, a, a one-size-fits-all approach and similarly Jane's um, story uh, about that young lady that was moving into work, that is a very unique situation that requires a bespoke response and it's something um, we've just been working on at, at Claire's actually in, in the field of progressive recruitment that's of a very similar vein as we've just been working with um, a lot of anchors which if you haven't heard the term are essentially public institutions um, within the wider Birmingham area who have recognised that in some of the most deprived wards in Birmingham, they're about to, um, as the rollback of furlough and other business support continues, they're about to experience a huge unemployment spike um, due to people previously employed by the hospitality sector that no longer will be in work. Um, the anchors have come together, realised that this is coming um, you know, on the horizon, and they've worked together to marry that problem, upcoming problem, with the fact that they need, uh, there's a massive recruitment problem when it comes to care. And so they've delivered a very bespoke upskilling training programme to move um, the hospitality workers uh, into care. And so far it looks incredibly successful, but that is not a policy that could have ever come out of Westminster because it's a very acute, specific set of needs. Fascinating. And it's great to, to hear what's happening almost and get that sense before it, it happens. We mm. feel like we're getting, you know, almost the, the, well, the inside track. We are getting the inside track. Thank you. Jane, I wanted to ask you about the foundational um, economy and the part it plays in Wales. We haven't actually mentioned it directly as such, but perhaps the role that it can have or does have with social value. Okay, so um, yeah, I think it was a privilege actually to sit on um, the Foundational Economy um, Steering um, Group panel, which was chaired by Liz Lucas. Um, the concept of foundational economy um, came into Wales, and I have to say that was um, very um, well pioneered and led by um, who was then Lee Waters, Deputy Minister for Transport at the time, who's now Deputy Minister for Climate Change. Um, and again, this it has to run. These things have to run through your veins. You have to really be to to get that commitment to make a change, um, to make positive change. You have to really believe in it yourself. And you know that's what was really clear in the team that were leading the foundational economy in Wales, to really understand. And it comes back to those supply chain voids. <clears throat> you know, while we like to source everything locally, we know that that's not possible for a whole range of factors. So what we've got to think about if we're looking to build our communities. We need to think about what are our important industry sectors. Um, so there's a term that we use in Wales, at the anchor organisations in Wales. That might be something that, that, that listeners might want to go away and look at. Who are our anchor organisations in Wales? But really thinking about what is it that we need for our basic needs. That then, if we start to really grow, it's impossible for us to grow every industry sector. But what, what's really important for us and what's going to be strategic in terms of public spend, but not just public spend, it's just generally um, within, within the to boost the local economy, that becomes our foundational economy. So think, first of all, think about food, think about social care, think about health care, think about construction, and then you start to get on the journey of what we mean by a foundational economy. These are our founding industry sectors that we need to survive. So if we start building these areas, 
and we start investing in these areas, then inevitably it will lead to wealth. And that's really important factor. So I think that, you know, the, the foundational economy and the campaign around that that was the last couple of years has been really important and it'll be interesting to see where we go with that and the development of that. So I know that I sat on the procurement um, panel and also with the um, social care panel. And the foundational economy is how we could kind of um, boost and, and try and accelerate some of the progress and understanding the foundational economy was linked to the challenge fund. Um, so basically um, understanding what we mean by challenge funds, so pots of money given by government for innovation, innovative solutions, and they were targeted at foundational economy industries. Um, so looking at businesses that were working within those sectors. And that, I think, was a really, really exciting development to really think strategically about what's important and which industries should we be building um, to, for long-term survival and to, and to build our economy in Wales. So how, where would you describe Wales is with that at the moment? I mean, are businesses or companies getting it, would you say? Understanding it? I think that, I think, yeah, I think businesses get it. I think, as I say before, I think there's an awful lot of absolutely fantastic practice that goes on in Wales, and I know that because of my international research. I mean, a lot of the challenges that we've talked about today, they're not just Wales specific or even England or Scotland specific. These are going specific, these are going on across the world. Um, you know, and so we're not, we're not facing un unique challenges, I don't think. It's just that we're um, a very small, connected economy and we want to be better supported of the, supportive of each other. Um, and, you know, I always think of the kind of the, the leaky bucket syndrome as described going back, gosh, I think it was about 2006. If government keep pouring money in to help businesses invest and grow, what we don't want, we want that money to stay within that economy. We don't want it to be pouring out elsewhere. But that, having said that, I don't want businesses to think, oh, we don't want to export our goods and services. Of course, we want you to do that as well. But we want to make sure that first and foremost, you support the local economy. And after that, on top of that, we can see opportunities for you to export. So that's a, a really important aspect of it, I think, as well. I think we're really well ahead of the game. Wells has been ahead of the game, I can say that um, from my international research going back to community benefits research we conducted a study of um, numerous different countries um, going back it was 2012-15 so you know Wales has always been ahead there I mean I think possibly you know it's like everything you kind of reach a, a peak and then you level off and I think I would like to think that we're, we're we're moving back into another peak now, where you know all efforts are coming in, and that is 100% supported by the Future Generations Commissioner and our office and the team that support that, and by the fantastic work that Claire's are doing with community wealth building as well, so that we can learn from others. Because when you're developing these, it's about looking outside of Wales, not just inside. I'd agree with that, and um, yeah, I wouldn't claim to have one tenth of the knowledge that. Jane has about the Welsh policy landscape and, and this uh, and this arena but one thing that I would say on this point is I think when people are talking about the foundational economy agenda or the social value agenda they think we're tweaking around the edges they think we you know even in the best version of this kind of stuff it's not going to fundamentally change society but what I would say is when you talk about the foundational economy in the Welsh context it's incredibly large and impactful foundational economy sectors account for four in every 10 jobs so we're looking at nearly you know one in two and one pound for every three that we spend so as jane was saying ensuring that 
these sectors are recognised for their importance and ensuring that investment in those sectors stays within local communities is completely vital. If it becomes a tick box exercise for you, yeah, I've done that, you know, you're never going to achieve the social value that we need to, um, to build our economy. We're never going to make the progress that we need. And I think that, you know, if I could just reflect very quickly on Cardiff Business School, we've got a public value strategy. And when that public value strategy was launched in 2015, there were people who were totally on board with understanding what we meant by public value. So that's making sure that what we teach research goes beyond just economic value, economic gain. It's about understanding the societal impact. It's about being responsible, culturally aware. It's about having an environmental, um, you know, priorities, you know, at the forefront of what you do. Mm -hmm. And to, to be able to do all of those things, you've got to believe in it yourself. And I think that that's really important. So when I say running through the veins, I say it all the time, it's got to run in the veins. So that's the really important one. You've got to, you've got to question yourself, is how can I be more responsible in what I do? The decisions that I make in business today, will they have a negative or a positive impact on somebody else? And I think that's the really key, important message, really. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of procurement, you need to know your market. You need to know your industry. Um, and and you need to know your, you need you need data to give you the intelligence to give you the facts on what you're spending where you're spending your money on where you can make the greatest impact those are my takeaways well I have to say each of you around this table during this podcast have been saying oh well, so Jane's got more experience than me no. or I've got more experience and I have to say well I am as a, an outsider I've certainly learned a lot in this podcast and in the others uh, and it's been hugely interesting uh, so thank you to all of you uh, to Adam Antonia and Jane for a packed podcast it's going to give people lots to think about and in the next podcast we'll be exploring social value in social care and I'll be in conversation with Donna Coyle care and support at Wales Cooperative Centre and Kerry Llewellyn managing director at care provider all care I hope you can join us for that Hoi Lamatro.